no matter what side of the abortion fence you fall on, there are two critical items missing from the national discussion. They are government-granted rights and conspiracy. Both of these have huge ramifications for your freedom and the very future of this country. We'll give you the details, and before you go, tell Congress to vote against making abortion legal. Click on the link in the description. And please, be sure to like, subscribe, and share this information. Abortion is an emotional topic for the majority of Americans. Some see it as a right, and others see it as a curse. However, the topic plays into a much larger discussion and a deliberate, organized movement to control the masses to accept world government and shun individual freedom, God-given rights, and the very independence of our states and nation as a whole. Diving into the argument of rights, you need three references that are bedrock to freedom. The first is the Declaration of Independence. In the second paragraph, it states, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. It tells us that the purpose of government is to protect our God-given rights, which include, but are not limited to, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. For the U.S. Supreme Court to rule that abortion is a constitutional right is an example of jurisprudential gymnastics that doesn't square with at least one of our founding documents. So let's check another, the Constitution. Open your Constitution to the very first line after the preamble. It says, All legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in a Congress of the United States. Now, for the most part, math is rather concrete. It tends to fly in the face of those woke individuals who see concrete concepts as fluid abstracts. If the Constitution says all legislative powers, as in all, 100%, complete, filled to the brim, etc., what then is left over of legislative powers for other branches of the federal government, including the judiciary? Now, if you're coming up with any number north of zero, then you are in serious need of a classical education on math, which, by the way, we do offer. Just look up Freedom Project Academy. Now, that leaves no power for the U.S. Supreme Court to issue any ruling that is meant as a law. As we have pointed out in previous videos, Congress has had the power to do something about the Roe v. Wade ruling since day one. But it has failed to act to limit the appellate jurisdiction of the court as it could under Article 3, Section 2, Clause 2, which says, in all cases affecting ambassadors, other public ministers and councils, and those in which a state shall be party, the Supreme Court shall have original jurisdiction. In all the other cases before I mentioned, the Supreme Court shall have appellate jurisdiction, both as to law and fact, with such exceptions and under such regulations as the Congress shall make. The only time we're aware that this was tried was in 2006 when Dr. Ron Paul introduced a bill to do this, but it died in committee. And that committee was headed by a supposedly pro-life congressman, Congressman James Sensenbrenner from Wisconsin, who earned a 77% lifetime freedom index score. That score means he voted 77% of the time in adherence to the Constitution. Anyway, the U.S. Supreme Court set a dangerous precedence by Roe v. Wade and subsequent rulings that have contributed 
to the deaths of more than 62 million unborn children. Those in the Supreme Court voting for it should have been impeached, also according to the constitutional power of Congress, to remove justices for breaches to good behavior, as mentioned in Article 3, Section 1. So, we find that the Roe v. Wade ruling, which has been declared by supporters to be the law of the land, doesn't square with the Constitution either. Of course, the Bible is replete with examples of God telling us to not worship other gods. When this was first commanded, child sacrifice to those gods was a common practice. Jehovah God tells us throughout the Bible that life is precious and that He doesn't want to see any perish. Look up Leviticus chapter 20, verses 1 through 5, Deuteronomy 12, 29 through 31, Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 12, as well as the entire chapter of Exodus 20, which gives us the Ten Commandments and the command, Thou shalt not kill. Thus, abortion doesn't square with the Bible either. Let's look at the lesson that the U.S. Supreme Court has taught us, if it indeed does flip Roe v. Wade. It tells us that any imaginary right government can give you, it can take away. Not so with our God-given rights. Americans need to understand that our unique system of government, as crafted by the Founding Fathers, is set up to protect our God-given rights, as we mentioned before. If we allow government to act outside of that, then what do we get? We get government-contrived rights that are manipulated and coerced. You've heard of many of these from the hard left. The right to abortion, the right to health care, the right to clean water, the right to a job, the right to food, the right to a living wage, the right to express myself any way I want to, the right to homosexual marriage, the right to choose my gender, and a whole host of other nonsensical topics. And this brings us to point number two, conspiracy. Abortion is merely a tool used as a weapon to defile, derange, and pervert our American experiment of freedom. In April of 1974, the John Birch Society published a reprint of an article that appeared in our monthly American Opinion magazine. It was titled, Abortion, Yes or No, and was written by Dr. John Grady, who was a family physician. On page 28, he quoted extensively from an article that appeared in the official journal of the California Medical Association in September 1970, three years before Roe v. Wade. The article was called A New Ethic for Medicine and Society. If you look hard enough, you will find this yet online. It said in part, the traditional Western ethic has always placed great emphasis on the intrinsic worth and equal value of every human life. This ethic has had the blessing of the Judeo-Christian heritage and has been the basis for most of our laws and much of our social policy, and has also been a keystone of Western medicine. This traditional ethic is still clearly dominant, but there is much to suggest that it is being eroded at its core and may eventually even be abandoned. Since the old ethic has not been fully displaced, it has been necessary to separate the idea of abortion from the idea of killing, which continues to be socially abhorrent. The result has been a curious avoidance of the scientific fact, which everyone really knows, that human life begins at conception and is continuous, whether intra or extra uterine, until death. The very considerable semantic gymnastics, which are required to rationalize abortion as anything but taking a human life, would be ludicrous if they were not often put forth under socially impeccable auspices. 
it is suggested that this schizophrenic sort of subterfuge is necessary because while a new ethic is being accepted, the old one has not yet been rejected. Medicine's role with respect to changing attitudes toward abortion may well be a prototype of what is to occur. One may anticipate further development of these roles as the problems of birth control and birth selection are extended inevitably to death selection and death control, whether by the individual or by society. It is not too early for our profession to examine this new ethic and prepare to apply it in a rational development for the fulfillment and betterment of mankind in what is almost certain to be a biologically oriented world society. For evidence of this progress, merely look to hear the abortion rhetoric today, namely that abortion is health care. Yet they don't mention the fatal consequences to the unborn baby or the emotional, mental, and physical toll this can have on the mother. With Roe v. Wade implemented shortly after this was written, as well as the global movement toward creating abortion on demand, the value of human life has taken a drastic turn for the worst. When else has it been okay in American history to encourage you to mutilate your children in order to help them achieve the gender they think they must have? What kind of perversion of common sense and decency is this? Knowing that the American electorate is reflected in the culture of a nation and choice of its elected officials and subsequent legislation, here is something from Dr. Grady's 1974 article to contemplate. In the years prior to 1965, abortion was rarely discussed, either in public or in private. Abortion was generally considered to be bad or evil, and even those who in any way approved of or tolerated abortion recognized discussion of the subject to be in bad taste. However, with the rapid evolution of our present permissive age, a few organizations and individuals became vocal on the subject and were given considerable exposure in the news media. Regardless of one's sincerity, motivation, and present opinion, he should recognize that the issue of abortion was intentionally created and that the mass media push and the legislative push were both planned and coordinated. It can be stated surely and factually that there was never a grassroots movement or groundswell of public opinion to legalize abortion. Undeniable is the fact that prior to 1966, the general pattern of the law in all 50 states was prohibition of abortion except to preserve the life of the mother. In many states, the laws had been in existence for a century or more and were well accepted. But in 1967, liberal abortion legislation was introduced in 35 states in almost identical form, primarily through the efforts of three organizations, the American Law Institute, Planned Parenthood World Population, and the American Civil Liberties Union. The rest of the booklet discusses the status of abortion laws, arguments for abortion, photos of aborted babies that depict the reality of what happens, and Dr. Grady's refutation of the abortion arguments. His arguments would be a great topic to discuss, but not for this episode. He then ends with six conclusions and covers what he calls the whole picture in the last couple of pages. He wrote, Many Americans who have objectively studied our national problems and who are fortunate enough to have been exposed to factual and undistorted information 
contend that much of what is happening in America today is neither a cultural social revolution nor a spontaneous evolution of human behavior and institutions. Rather, it is the result of a deliberate, organized, and multifarious attack on the principles, morals, culture, and ideals which constitute the firm foundation of the United States of America and of Western civilization. We believe we can prove that the citizens of the United States are being deceived, confused, and brainwashed by a conspiracy which seeks to destroy all that is right and reasonable. Furthermore, the American people are being conditioned to accept the destruction of their own great nation and are even being programmed to aid and assist in their own demise. Abortion is only one of many issues. The whole picture includes drug abuse, alienation of youth, disrespect for authority, religious decline, decay of the family structure, destruction of traditional education, revolution on the campus, racial strife, undermining of law enforcement and the judicial system, increase in homosexuality and perversion, inflation, repudiation of our currency, registration and confiscation of firearms, no-win wars, destruction of national pride and prestige, deliberate loss of United States military superiority and economic strength, planned and fabricated shortages of fuel and food, leading to rationing and increasing controls over the American people, and the imposing of unconstitutional regional government, which is a subtle transformation of our American Republic into a federal socialist dictatorship. Abortion is murder of the innocent. It is immeasurably evil, and it is American genocide. Yet to fight abortion without understanding and fighting the total conspiracy is to ensure certain and total defeat. The United States of America, that unique constitutional republic of free men and Christian ideals, the most noble experiment in the history of government, faces imminent destruction. And if this nation falls, the light of liberty, freedom, opportunity, and hope will be snuffed out for all men around the world. In the November 1970 JBS Bulletin, founder Robert Welch discussed the push by leftists for zero population growth. He wrote, they are interested in the mythical danger of overpopulation as just one more deceptive means by which they can acquire and utilize power over every detail of other people's lives. He further detailed, visibly planned to come right behind the drive for abortion will be similar drives for infanticide to be practiced on the very young and euthanasia to be practiced on the very old with government determining who shall be allowed to live and who shall be killed for the good of society. With all that has happened over the last two years, this reads like it could have been written today. In fact, our publisher of the New American magazine, Dennis Barrett, recently published a book called Endgame that in chapter two traces the move to depopulate the planet. He concludes the chapter with, for over a century, the world's wealthiest people along with significant world leaders and organizations have hoped to implement a program to reduce the number of people that they share the planet with. Repealing Roe v. Wade will be a welcome first step in correcting a horrible decision, yet it won't be enough. Until we the people gain the understanding and employ the constitutional tools our founders gave us, we will not win the overall war. Plus, and just as important, is that these individual battles should not be fought in a vacuum. Again, we the people need to know the full parameters of the war that we are in. To fight these battles without that knowledge will lead to defeat in this war. 
So yes, let's work to end abortion. Let's work to protect our God-given rights. But let's also know our opponents and the many battles they are waging on your family's freedom. To fight battles without this knowledge is like chopping at the many branches of a tree without cutting the roots. The John Birch Society will help you learn more about the problem and employ an effective action plan through local grassroots efforts. We have the plan, the tools, and the organization to help protect you and your family. Use our free online tool to tell Congress to vote against making abortion legal. Click on the link in the description. And please be sure to like, subscribe, and share this information. I'm Bill Hahn for the John Birch Society. Until next time, stay informed, stay active, and let's get organized, patriots.